Amen. All right, well, we're there in First Timothy chapter number 4. And uh, this morning I'm preaching on the subject of the real grassroots movement. And, of course, we've been dealing with this uh, political series. And we spent the first several weeks kind of learning about what the Bible teaches about and how we as Christians should uh, think about government, how we're called to interact with government. And then uh, last week we kind of shift... Uh, years a little bit, and started dealing with the spiritual aspect of government, and of course I talked about the rulers of the darkness of this world, and uh, taught about the elites, and the new world order, and all of that, and uh, today I want to deal with uh, Christians, and I want to talk about this idea of the real grassroots movement, and grassroots, or grassroots movement, is a term that you often hear about a lot during a political season. And I'll give you a definition for those of you that may not be familiar with it. Grassroots is a type of movement or campaign that attempts to mobilize individuals to take some action to influence an outcome, often of a political nature. The distinguishing features of grassroots movements or campaigns are that they mobilize masses to participate in politics, such as contacting their legislators or turning out to vote or some other cause. Whenever you hear about grassroots, the idea is, or a grassroots movement in politics, the idea is that you energize the base. Uh, you often hear that terminology. You get the people out there in, in, in the communities to come out and help push for some sort of a political agenda to get out the vote, to contact a legislator or uh, whatever. This morning, I want to preach on the subject of the real grassroots movement, or what should be the real grassroots movement, or maybe what we could call a spiritual grassroots movement, because over the last several weeks, I've had many positive conversations, many positive conversations. In fact, I would say the overwhelming amount of conversations I've had about this series or uh, feedback on these sermons, the overwhelming amount has been positive. So I don't want you to think uh, that, you know, uh, that it's all been negative. Most people have said, man, these are the sermons we need and these are the things we need to learn. I've had very uh, many positive conversations about politics with Christians due to the mixing uh, politics and religion series. But I have also had uh, some negative feedback. And uh, I've had enough me- negative feedback to honestly, and I feel like I already knew this, but over the last five weeks, it's become uh, almost heartbreaking, I'll be honest with you, uh, in my mind uh, and in my heart. I'm deeply saddened by the amount of passion and energy that I've seen in Christians during this political campaign for political things, and yet in those same Christians you don't see that same energy or passion for the things of God. It's, it's become extremely sobering to me that most Christians in this country, it seems like, are more loyal to Fox News than they are to the Word of God. And you say, how do you know that? Well, I know this. They spend more time with Fox News than they do with the Word of God. They spend more time with Alex Jones than they do the Word of God. They spend more time with Chuck Baldwin than they do the Word of God. And it's become sad to me, as I realize the state of our country, if we could get these so-called conservative Christians to actually get right with God and get as excited about the Lord Jesus Christ as they are Donald Trump, we might actually do something in this country. 
And, you know, people keep wanting to tell me about making America great again. I'm not sure that America was ever great, and I'm not sure that we'll ever make America great again. But I'll tell you, my concern is to make America right with God again, if it ever was right with God. And I want to give you some thoughts in regards to energizing the Christian base, the real base. I'm not talking about the Republican Party here. I'm talking about people that are supposedly actually saved that are supposedly actually having the Holy Spirit in uh, their heart. Now, you're there in 1 Timothy chapter 4, and this is where I want you to keep your place there in 1 Timothy because we're going to leave it and we're going to come back to it throughout the sermon. But I want you to just notice one verse there. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 13, the Bible says this, Till I come, till I come, I want you to notice what the Apostle Paul is saying to a young man, Timothy. He says, till I come, give attendance. Now, the word attendance there, the way you and I would say that today is, I want you to pay attention to, I want you to give attention to, I want you to devote yourself to, I want you to give your time, your energy, your passion to. Notice what he says. He says, till I come, give attendance to YouTube. Is that what he said? Till I come, give attendance to political 24-hour news media. Is that what he said? Till I come, here's what Paul says, till I come, give attendance to reading. And listen, listen, I've already lost some of you, but before we go further, just before you write me off, just ask yourself this question. How much time did you spend reading the Bible this week as opposed to reading about politics this week? And if you're honest with yourself, if you're honest with yourself, you'll realize that I'm right about the fact that this country is going to hell, not because of the politicians, but because of Christians. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Notice verse number 6, same chapter, First Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6. The Bible says this, if thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things. And by the way, that's my job. You know, people have made comments to me like, well, how, how, well you, you, keep, you keep bringing up Trump. I'm going to keep bringing up Trump as long as people keep bringing up Trump to me. You know, I, some of you have never been in a Baptist church or you've never actually met a man of God, but let me tell you something. I don't, I don't do well with bullying. Most preachers, you can manipulate them and bully them. You say, how do preachers get manipulated? This way. They stand up to preach something. It's supposed to scare them. Oh, better not touch that. You know, the more I get this, the more I want to preach about it. The more comments I get, the more things people tell me on the way out, trying to defend Trump to me. You say, you know, I thought you weren't, why don't you get off this point? I don't aim to get off this point until I'm good and ready to get off this point. My job is to preach the word of God. I'm not up for election. Say, well, aren't you afraid people are going to leave? I never started church to try to build a mega church. Look, if I was trying to build a mega church, I would have got rid of the King James Bible and old hymns a long time ago. It's called Verity Baptist Church because we preach the truth whether you like it or not. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ. And by the way, that's why God told Jeremiah, don't be afraid of their faces. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt put a, be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Notice, nourished up in the words of good faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. See, the Bible says that we get nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. The Bible says that we get fed, that we get built up as we give attendance to reading, as we spend time in the Word of God. Keep your place there in First Timothy. Go with me to look up Matthew, if you would. Matthew chapter number 4. You say, Pastor, I don't understand. What, what, what are you trying to say? Let me give you several thoughts this morning. And if you want to try to write these down, it might be difficult for you to write these down, but I'll give them to you and I'll try to repeat them. Number one, here's all I'm saying. People, people, I don't think people really understand 
me sometimes, but let me just help you this morning. See, you may get excited to binge watch Fox News, okay? All I'm saying is that we should be excited for the Bible and its good news. You may get excited about watching a bunch of politics on YouTube. All I'm saying is that we as Christians should get excited about the Word of God. Get excited about the things of God. Get excited about reading uh, uh, God's Word. Matthew chapter 4. Notice verse number 4. Notice what Jesus said. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4. The Bible says this, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. See, people get excited about all sorts of things that they think they need. But let me tell you something. The Bible says there's only one thing you need, and it's the Word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone. You need bread to survive physically. But he says, you know what else you need? But by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Go to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew 22. Look at verse 28. Matthew 22 and verse 28. And here's all I'm trying to tell you. And look, you say, Pastor, you seem like you're mad. Oh, I'm mad. I'm watching my country go to hell in a handbasket and watching Christians get excited about an adulterer, homemonger, profane individual. And they get mad at me because I'm preaching the Bible to them. Yeah, I'm mad about it. You say, why are you mad? Because the problem is not the politics. The problem is you. Honestly, honestly, inventory yourself today. I'm not asking you to do it out loud, but in your mind, ask yourself, how much time did you spend in the Word of God today? That's the problem. I mean, I'll just, I I don't, maybe I'm not communicating clear enough. If you spend more time watching Fox News this week than you did reading the Word of God, you're not right with God. You spend more time watching Alex Jones than reading the Word of God, you're not right with God. You spent more time. See, the problem is most conservative Christians spent more time watching their little political binge-watching garbage than they did trying to knock doors and reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the problem. Matthew 22, verse 28. Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife shall she be of the seven? This is Jesus. This makes me feel good because they would ask Jesus stupid questions like people ask me stupid questions. (laughs) Trying to catch him. Therefore, in the resurrection, they gave him this stupid, you know, this, this, this question about some gal that married seven uh, brothers and all seven of them died. And they're trying to prove to him that there is no such thing as the resurrection. It's like, come on. She married seven brothers and they all died? Somebody needs to arrest this lady. You serious? Therefore, in the resurrection, whose wife shall she be of the seven? Ha, 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 Jesus uneducated fool. Well, they all had her. Notice his response, verse 29. Jesus answered and said unto them, ye do err. Listen to me, this is the message for this morning to these Fox News Baptists. Ye do err not knowing the scriptures. When you stand up there and defend an adulterer, defend a whoremonger, when you sit there and try to defend a female judge to me, ye do err not knowing the scriptures. You don't even know what you're talking about. You've not even read the Bible. You don't even know how to study the Bible. You don't even know what the Bible says. Ye do err not knowing the scripture, and here's really the key, nor the power of God. 
I'm here to tell you we've lost the power of God as Christians in this country because you do err not knowing the scriptures. I'm here to tell you there's no power of God in your Christian walk because you're not spending time in the Word of God because you don't understand the Word of God because you're making errors by not knowing the Scriptures. You do err not knowing the Scriptures nor the power of God. You don't have to turn there. Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6. Here's what the Bible says. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. That, that could be the life verse of Christianity in 2020. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, I will also forget thy children. You say, why, why is America being destroyed? Because we've, we're destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, God says, I will also reject the, go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. If you kept your place there in 1 Timothy, just right after 1 Timothy, you got 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Here's all I'm saying. You may get excited about binge-watching Fox News. All, all I'm saying is you should be excited for the Bible. And it's good news. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. The Bible says this. Study, 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 study. You know why you don't study? Because it's hard work. Because it's easier to listen to Sean Hannity for three hours. Because it's, listen, it's easier to listen to talk radio for three hours. Study to show thyself approved unto God. And by the way, that's why Christians today are not approved unto God. A workman that needeth, look, that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The Bible says, look, you, you say, I don't want to be ashamed, then study the word of God. Then learn the word of God. Apply it to your life. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Go to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. Hey, Pastor, I don't like this. You're, you're making me feel bad because I didn't read the Bible this week. Good. I hope you're, you feel so bad. I, feel, I hope you feel so offended. I hope you feel so... You say, you're making me feel shameful. You ought to be ashamed. God wrote you a book. God gave you a letter. God gave you instructions from heaven. And you sit it on a table and don't even touch it till next week's service if you even show up for next week's service. Acts 17, verse 10. Let me show you New Testament Christianity. And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming hither went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind. Look, they didn't sit there and say, well, I'm gonna li- I-, I like what the pastor says as long as the pastor agrees with me. Well, here's the problem with that. You're wrong on most things. Right, pastor, I don't think you should say that. Why do you even come to church? Look, if you, if you want a pastor that's just going to affirm you in all your stupidity... You, I can find you one. His name is Joel Osteen. I can find, I can find, I, I don't even know, I can just find you, just find one. Just find any mega church preacher and they're going to, oh, you're addicted to drugs? No problem. God bless you. Oh, you're committing adultery? So is Donald Trump. Praise the Lord. Oh, your life is messed up. Hey, if that's what you want, you can find that. They're, they're a dime a dozen. 
These people showed up to church. They were more noble than those in Thessalonica and that they received the word with all readiness of mind. They said, you know what? We're ready to hear the word, whether we like it or not. And then what they do? And they searched YouTube daily whether those things were so. Is that what it says? They searched the scriptures daily. You know what's missing in, in, in American Christianity? Christians who actually search the scriptures daily. Christians who actually open up their Bible and read it and study it and learn it. See, Jesus said, you do err not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. You don't know the power of God because you don't know the scriptures. And the reason your life is such a mess, the reason everything you're doing is wrong, the reason you're erring. Look, I'm not trying to pick on you. Well, I don't know. Let's not say that. The point is this. You're erring. There's error. You're wrong because you don't know the scriptures. Because you spend more time watching TV. You spend more time watching that stinking television programming you and brainwashing you with Hollywood's crap than you do with the Word of God, that's what's wrong with you. That's what's wrong with New Testament American, so-called American Christianity. See, look, you say, my pastor, I'm really excited to binge-watch Fox News. Well, that's fine, but how about you get as excited about the Bible and its good news? Go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. I liked it when you were preaching against the elites. Well, the problem is we can't fight the elites because you're so lame. The problem is we can't fight the elites because you're voting men. You may be excited for a, a, a binge watch Fox News. You should be excited about the Bible and its good news. Here's number two. You may be excited for a stump campaign speech. I mean, you just, you, those stump campaign speech, you just want to go watch, you know, Donald Trump ramble for two hours with no point, just talking to himself like he's crazy up there. You may be excited for a stump campaign speech. Hey, that's fine. All I'm saying is we should be excited for men of God who open up God's word and preach. You know what the hope for America is in Bible preaching, not in political speeches. 1 Timothy 4.2, notice what Paul says. He says, preach the word. Preach the word. You say, what's wrong with most conservative Christians today? That they preach the Republican talking points. They preach the Republican platform. They, they only have the boldness to preach whatever the Republican party tells them they're allowed to preach. You know, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says preach the word. And if you preach the word, you're going to preach against all of them. Preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come, and I'm here to tell you, the time is here, when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. And this is the day we live in today. People don't want to hear the truth. People don't want to hear the truth. You stand up and say something negative about Trump, and it's like, I can't believe you ever say that. I mean, do you understand? There, there are quotes from that man that I can't even utter from this pulpit because they're so vulgar. That I would never even say in front of my children or my wife. 
talking about the fact that he's got so much power he can touch ladies and certain parts of their body and they let him because he's because he's famous. I mean, things I couldn't even say. I could decency would not allow me to say it. And you want me to get excited about this man? I'm not excited about it. I'm heartbroken that Christians are so worldly they think that's acceptable. Because he's like this much better than Biden. 2 Timothy 3.16, notice what the Bible says. 2 Timothy 3.16, you say, Pastor, I'm never coming back. I don't care. <laughs> Look, if, I, if you don't come back because I, I was rude to you, because I was mean to you, I care about that. If you don't come back because I'm preaching the Bible, that's your choice. I'm preaching the Bible. You take that up with God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. You say, what's doctrine? That's what is right. And look, as Christians, we're going to do what's right. We're going to preach what's right. We're going to stand for what's right. We're going to do right, do right, do right till the stars fall. Look, you need to understand this about the Bible. There is no such thing as, you know, just circumstantial rightness. Well, it's not right unless... The other candidate's a little worse, then it's okay. You don't find that in the Bible. Paul says that it's not right to, to do evil, that good may come of it. The Bible says that we are never to do right, that we're never to do wrong in order to do right. That, you didn't get that from the Bible. You, you got that from your Mormon Glenn Beck. You didn't get that from the Word of God. All scriptures given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. That's what's right. For reproof. That's when something is, wrong, uh, is not right. That's what you don't like. I don't like it when you preach like, well, God tells me to reproof. In fact, preach the word, be in season, rebuke. Reproof, that's when something is not right. For correction, that's how to make something right. For instruction, that's how to do something right. In righteousness, you know that God's word has everything you need? It tells you how to do what's right. It tells you how to fix what's not right. It tells you how to correct what's not right. It tells you how to do it right to begin with. He says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that a man of God may be perfect, that the man of God may be perfect. The word perfect means mature, balanced, complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And I'm here to tell you, you are not balanced. You're not even close to being mature. You're not even close to being perfect when you are defending female uh, judges being put in authority. You don't even know. You do err not knowing the scriptures or the power of God. I don't think you should say this. Well, I said it. Go to Jude. Revelation Jude. You may be excited. To binge watch Fox News, you should be excited about the Bible and its good news. You may be excited for a stump campaign speech. You should be excited when a man of God opens up the Word of God to preach. Here's number three. You may be excited for the door-to-door, get-out-the-vote campaigns. All I'm saying is I wish you'd be excited about your church's door-to-door soul-winning crusades. We need to get out the vote. How about getting out the gospel? We need to go door-to-door, make sure people vote for Donald Trump. How about we go door-to-door and make sure people vote for the Lord Jesus Christ? 
Hey, Pastor, I need to talk to you about these Donald Trump sermons you've been preaching. Okay, let's talk about it while we're soul winning. You want to show up to that? You show up to -to door-to-door soul winning, we'll talk all day long. Knocking doors. You let this country go to hell. Don't tell me how much you love this country while you let people die and go to hell. Never giving the gospel to anybody, yet you're going to sit here and correct the pastor about your political crap. You may be excited to get this door-to-door. It's Monday. It's Tuesday. Let's go out door-to-door and get out the vote. No, let's go door-to-door and get the gospel. Let's preach the gospel. Jude one twenty two and of some have compassion, making a difference. You say, wow, we got to make a difference. Here's how you do it. Preach the gospel. And of some have compassion, making a difference. And others save with fear. And by the way, you know, I said this last week, but let me just say it again. 2016, I preached the whole sermon about how Christians should not vote for Donald Trump. RJ, RJ reminded me of this. RJ's like, Pastor, I think you're being nice. In 2016, you said, if you vote for Donald Trump, you're not right with God. And let me tell you something. If you vote for Donald Trump, you're not right with God. Some of you are like, I already sent my vote in. (laughs) And if some have compassion, making a difference, and others, you say, why are you bringing that up? I'm I'm just here bringing it up. I didn't change. I didn't change. I thought he was wicked as hell when he was a reality TV star, and I think he's wicked as hell as the President of the United States. I didn't change. You're the compromiser. This is what it looks like when a man of God takes a stand for the Word of God and doesn't change. That's what it looks like. Take a picture. When somebody decides that they believe the truth, whether circumstances change or not, when you're loyal to the truth, Wish we'd have some Christians who get back and say, I'll be loyal to the truth. And if some have compassion making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. You know why you can't make a difference? Because you're not different. Because you're just like every other Republican so-called Christian out there. And if some have compassion, make a difference. Go to Acts 26. Acts 26, look at verse 18. Acts 26, verse 18. Acts 26, verse 18. You say, Pastor, I thought you didn't, you said you didn't care about politics. I don't care about politics. I'm not mad about politics. I'm mad about lame Christians. And it'll be a cold day in hell before I allow this movement of lame Fox News, Republican Party Christianity to come into this church. Hey, if you want to fight me on influence, we'll fight on it. I can preach on this every week if you want. We're not letting it in. We will stand with the truth. So what if everybody leaves and it's just your wife and your kids? Then my wife and my kids will stand for the truth. And by the way, last I checked, attendances are fine, offerings are fine, God's blessing, we're good to go. And last I checked, Trump didn't do anything for me in the last four years. He didn't do anything to further the cause of Christ in the last four years. Acts 26, verse 18, the Bible says this, to open their eyes. This is what God has called you and I to do. To open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among which are sanctified by faith that is in them. Look, that's what God called us to do. 
So excuse me, excuse me, if you are excited for the door-to-door get-out-the-vote campaigns, I'm just a little more excited about our door-to-door soul-winning crusades. Where we preach the gospel. Where we make a difference. Where we actually do something that actually matters for eternity. And then, you know, everywhere I go, I mean, and look, if you said this to me, I'm not mad at you. I'm just telling you, I've, I've had like 30 people say this to me in the last two weeks. This is the most historic election in our country's history. It's like, that's what they said last time. That's what they said the time before that. And that's what they'll say next time. They say that every time. I don't know if you know that. You know what's the most historic thing you could do for somebody's soul? Is to get them saved. It's, It's more historic than 200 years. It's actually will affect them for all eternity. Like, I just... Do what you want with the sermon. I'm just telling you, you may be excited to binge watch Fox News. Fine. I just wish you'd get as excited about the Bible and it's good news. You may be excited for stump campaign speeches. No problem. I just wish you'd get excited about the man of God standing up when he preaches. You may be excited for door-to-door, get-out-the-vote campaigns. Hey, I just wish you'd get as excited. In fact, I wish you'd get so excited you'd actually show up for our church's door-to-door soul-winning crusades. And by the way, don't tell me door-to-door doesn't work. People tell uh, door-to-door soul-winning doesn't work. Okay, then why are all these politicians going door-to-door? Why, why are all these volunteers going out door-to-door? You know why they go out door-to-door? Because it works. God's smarter than you are. God's smarter than I am. Number four, you may be excited for a political push to keep the White House. That's fine. All I'm saying is we should be excited for God's people to get back to the church house. 1 Timothy 3.15, the Bible says this, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. Notice these words. Which is the church of the living God? the pillar and ground of the truth. See, that's why people don't like the house of God. Uh, The real house of God, a real house of God, you know what, they don't like it? Because it's the pillar and ground of the truth. What's a pillar? It's a tall vertical structure that holds something up, that supports something. You know what the house of God? Look at your Bible. That thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And look, here's all I'm telling you. The reason your mind is so messed up, the reason you have so much faith in government, you have so much faith in politics, you have so much faith in in, in the government system just saving you, is because you need to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. You need to have your mind, you need to have your brain washed. They, they, they always tell us, like, oh, you guys are brainwashing people. Well, you know what? That stinking hell of vision is brainwashing you, too. The Bible, the Bible says, be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. So how do you do that? Well, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his uh, way? By taking heed thereto according to thy word. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. See, see, what you need is Christians who actually read the Bible. What you need is pastors who actually preach the Bible. What you need is to not get so excited about the White House, get excited about God's house, get excited about the truth that is proclaimed in the house of God. And look, truth is truth whether you like it or not. 
Truth is truth, period. Truth is not susceptible to circumstances. There's no such thing as, you know, uh, just, well, it's right. In the, and there's a term. I can't think of the term. I wish my wife was there. She knows the term. You should hear her preach. You don't like my preaching. <laughs> I, can't think of, I can't think of the term she's taking care of the baby, I'm sure. Today we've been sucked into this idea that truth can change based on circumstances. That's why some of you think it's okay to go to these water parks or these beaches or these lakes where a bunch of girls are running around halfway naked. If a girl walked into this church wearing that underwear, you'd say, oh, that's terrible. But you go put a, you dig a hole in the ground and put water in it, and all of a sudden it's fine. No, nakedness is nakedness, friend. I'm really proud of our young people in this church. But let me tell you something, young people. You stay the hell out of those water parks and those lakes and those rivers and those beaches where people are running around naked. That's nowhere for a Christian to be. Truth is truth. Whether you like it or not, you say, I, you're not my friend. I don't need to be your friend. I'd rather be your pastor. I, I, if I could do both, I'll do both. But if I need to choose one, I'll be your preacher. If you make me choose one, I'll be your pastor and preach the truth to you, and you can find somebody else to be your friend. When I was growing up, my parents told me, the only friend you need is Jesus. Sometimes he's the only friend I got, other than my wife. <laughs> Sometimes she doesn't want to be my friend. <laughs> Truth is truth. There's no, there's no such thing as, well, it's okay. And then, See, that's why you think, well, you know, the lesser of two evils. Okay, show me that in the Bible. You know what the Bible says? Lay your hands suddenly on no man. Neither be partaker of other men's sins. You know what that means? That means that when you put your hand on someone to push them into authority, when you endorse somebody and say, okay, I'm going to lay my hands on you and I'm going to promote you into authority. Here's what the Bible says. Lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of other men's sins. You say, why don't you vote, Pastor? You know, why don't you just vote for Donald Trump? Because I don't want to be a partaker in his sins. Because when I cast a vote, and you say, I just don't think you say if I vote for Donald Trump, I'm not right with God. Well, live with it. Deal with it. Confess it to God and get right with God because it's true. Anything that man does in office that's wicked as hell, God puts the blame on you because you put him there. Lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of other men's sins. Keep thyself pure is what the Bible says. Let me just give you some advice on voting. If, if, if there's not someone that you can stand before God and support biblically, don't vote. All these churches uh, this weekend, the Sunday before the election, they're all trying to tell everybody how to vote. Let me tell you how to vote. Don't. Don't vote for a politician. They're all wicked. And by the way, <laughs> and if you don't like my Bible preaching, maybe I can win you over with my real quick talk show. Whether you like it or not, you're still the problem. You know why? Because you, you, you prove every four years, you conservative Republican Christians, you prove every four years that it doesn't matter how lame, it doesn't matter how stupid, it doesn't matter how weak the Republican Party gives you a candidate, you will vote for him every time as long as he's a little better than the Democrats. You know what would be nice? 
if we had an election where no conservative Christian voted and said, we're sick and tired of all your garbage, that would actually send a message. See, no vote is actually a vote. Forgive me someone I can actually support, and I'll vote for them. But see, you just, no matter what they give you, you just keep saying, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Sean Hannity said, vote for him. And you never send a message. Let me give you just some tips on voting. Don't vote for people that are wicked as hell. Don't lay hands suddenly on no, on no man. Don't, take part, don't be a partaker in other men's sins. Keep thyself pure. Let me give you some advice on, on voting. You say, Pastor, you don't think you should vote? Oh, I'm voting this year, not for a stinking politician, but, you know, I'm voting for propositions. You say, oh, give me some advice. Okay, uh, no on everything that raises taxes, that gives more power, more regulations. You say, how do I vote for all these propositions? Here's what you do. You open it up, you read it, and when it says raise taxes, no. Add regulate, no. Give more power, no. They don't need any more money. They don't need any more power. We don't need any more regulations. It's not working. Look at every government system and show me one that's working. The VA? Are you a veteran? It's funny how only uh, non-veterans think the VA is a good system. Every veteran that actually has to show up to a VA office is like, what in the world is this? Obamacare? The public school? The DMV? I mean, which one do you want to you know, defend? They don't need any more power. They need less power. They don't need any more regulation. They need less regulation. They don't need any more money. They need less money. You know, just vote no. No, 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 no. Say, you're not going to vote for uh, president? Yeah, I'm going to write in the Lord Jesus Christ. King Josiah. King Hezekiah. Actually, godly men. We need the truth of God's word. But you know what else we need? We need, let me tell you something. Americans need to get back to God. And Christians need to get back to the house of God. You know, this coronavirus thing, it's nice, but I'm over it. It's time to get back to the house of God. Yesterday was a sweet time because iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the counter of his friends. You know that God's people need to be with God's people? And look, I understand that there are risk concerns, and if you're in a high-risk situation, I understand that I'm not mad at you, and you need to do what you need to do. But please understand this. God, God has not given us the spirit of fear. If you're living your life in fear, you're not living by the spirit of God. You're living by the spirit of the Antichrist. Look, you may be excited for a political push to keep the White House. That's fine. All I'm saying is we should be excited to get God's people back in God's house. Because the hope for America is in the house of God. It's with the people of God. It's with the word of God. And look, I, I haven't decided either Wednesday or Sunday morning or whatever, after the election at some point, I'm probably going to preach a sermon entitled, Now What? But let me give you, let me give you a, a hint to that sermon. It doesn't matter who's in office. We still read the Bible, we still pray, we still go to church, we still preach the gospel. It, look, the, 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 the ebbs and flows of this world should not affect our Christian walk. Right. We're not to be, you know, just scattered abroad. 
We're not supposed to just be, you know, with, uh, with to and fro, running to and fro with every wind of dark. That's not what Christianity is supposed to be like. Christianity says, look, truth is truth. Whether I live in the Roman Empire or in the United States Empire, truth is truth. Go to 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter chapter 4. I'll finish this up because some of you can only take so much truth. If you miss the points, I'll give you my little poem here. You may be excited to binge watch Fox News. You should be excited about the Bible and its good news. You may be excited for a stump campaign speech. All I'm saying is you should be excited for men of God who open up the Word of God and preach. You may be excited for the door-to-door, get-out-the-vote campaigns. All I'm saying is we should be as excited for our church's door-to-door soul-winning crusades. You may be excited for a political push to keep the White House. All I'm saying is we should be excited for God's people to get back to the church house. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 17. 1 Peter 4, 17, the Bible says this, For the time is come. That judgment must begin at the house of God. No, they don't say judgment must begin at the White House. For the time has come that judgment might begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end of them that obey not the gospel? What shall be the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? Look, here's all I'm saying. If there is ever to be a coming revival, If there's ever to be a revival, it must begin at the house of God. Americans need to get back to God. America needs to be less worried about becoming great again and needs to get more worried about becoming Christians again. Americans need to get back to God and Christians need to get back to the house of God. Say, Pastor, we need, we need uh, uh, to, to change things. We need a grassroots movement. We need to energize the base and get out the vote. No, no, you know what we need? We need Christians to get right with God. We need you to quit defending Donald Trump and open up your Bible and read it and pray and go soul winning and, and show up to church and, and get your heart right with God and teach your family to love God above all else and to teach your neighbors to love God above all else. That's what we need. For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. Christians need to be less excited about Donald Trump and more excited about Jesus Christ. Less excited about the political movement and more excited about the things of God. And then we might actually accomplish something for God. See this? This is the real grassroots movement. Some of you just haven't been paying attention. You're like, Pastor, I didn't know. You just haven't been paying attention. We started this this church 10 years ago saying, let's get soul winners out there and knock doors. Hey, praise God, we had 96 soul winners out yesterday. Door to door trying to get out the vote. No, trying to get out the gospel. That's what it's about. What's the hope for America? You say, Pastor, are you worried? What if Biden gets selected? If Biden gets elected, you know what I'm going to do? You know what I'm doing on Wednesday morning? What if uh, Joe Biden 
Socialist pedophile Joe Biden. Sniffing little kids Joe Biden gets elected. What if Donald Trump gets elected? You know what I'm going to do on Wednesday morning? I'm going to do the same thing I do every Wednesday morning. I'm going to do the same thing I do every Tuesday morning. I'm going to do the same thing I did this morning. On Wednesday morning, when the election's over, my wife and I are going to get up. We're going to go downstairs. She's going to serve us two cups of coffee. We're going to open up our King James Bible. We're going to read the Bible. We're going to pray, and we're going to say, This is the day that the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Because my hope is not connected to a politician. And if your hope is, you're of all men most miserable. You'd be happier if your hope was connected to Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is the hope for America. And the sad thing is that I thought we had to convince Americans about that. The sad thing is that I'm realizing we actually have to convince Christians about that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. Lord, I pray that some Christians would get right with God today. I pray that some Christians would go home, bow their heads, get on their knees and say, Lord, forgive me for supporting an adulterous whoremonger. And I'm afraid if we don't, there is no hope for this country. Because the hope for this country is found in the truth. And Lord, help me to never be influenced. Help me to never give in to the influence of who might not come back, who might not come back next week, who might not like the sermon. Lord, help me to always be a preacher who preaches the truth. And Lord, help us to be filled with Christians who love the truth and love you and are loyal to you above all else. In the matchless name of Christ, we pray. Amen.